Good afternoon. You're listening to K Tahoe, the new 961 and AM 590. It's time for the bright side with Alexis Robin. Good afternoon. Happy Monday, everybody. Happy Monday to you. Happy to be here. And uh, today we're talking about great leadership. Oh, yeah. You need leadership, do you? Yeah. So um, I'm doing a keynote this week for a company that's coming into town, and they had requested that I take a look at the book that they gave all their leadership team, Good to Great. And so I did. It's a great book. I read that so long ago. Yep. It's an oldie but a goodie. I have that book. And they've republished it with a few little updates. And um, yeah, it's still a great book. It's by Jim Collins. Um, And it's basically about how to make a good company, how good companies become great companies. But there's a lot of great leadership insight in there. And so I thought it would be a good kind of frame for today's talk. Um, Basic overview is that they talk about, or he talks about having three things in order to get to great leadership, which is disciplined people, disciplined thought, and disciplined action. And what's interesting about the people piece, and I always love reading books that were published years ago and then seeing how all the research has now come forth to support the ideas. And that book in particular, there was a a huge amount of rigorous research that they did Mm -hmm. to come up with all of their theories and their, um, and their ideas. Um, but it's interesting when you talk about getting the right people on the bus, one of his main themes is, you know, get the right people on the bus and then get them in the right place. And then once you have the right people in the right place, you won't have to motivate them. They'll motivate themselves. That's true. And it's only when you get the wrong people in the wrong positions that you have to continually be providing that extrinsic motivation. And, you know, in times like today where we've got less managers to do more work and we are, you know, we're kind of coming off the recession where people have worn multiple hats. We've talked about this a lot before. Uh, it really, we really depend on individual contributors to uh, give discretionary effort and just worked from eight to five and gave no discretionary effort. It'd be very hard to get everything done that needs to be done. And so... So figuring out how to get the right people in place for that is important. And, you know, when you're wanting discretionary effort uh, and people are already feeling burned out and overtaxed with how much they have to do, it's kind of a tricky thing. And so one of the things at the Positivity Link or P-Link Coaching Center for Excellence that we have stumbled across in all of our reading and research is this idea of a well-grounded and well-rounded team. And when you think about getting the right people in place, you want to be thinking about um, getting people with similar values. And many companies that we work with, they haven't thought about their values. Or, you know, maybe some of the leadership has values that they have for themselves and kind of bring to work, but it's not necessarily something that's been published or put out there. And so, and this is really important because getting the values aligned with the people who work for you and the company that you work for really um, changes how it feels to work at a place. Because when you're working at a place where your values are aligned, it feels really good. Mm -hmm. You know, it's fun to go to work. It feels good. If you work hard, you feel supported. Um, And when you're working at a place where your values are not in alignment, it doesn't always feel great. It can sometimes feel bad and it can sometimes um, feel exhausting. You know, if you're having to constantly bend your own values to fit into a company, if, um, 
if you have a value around uh, due diligence and prudence and, you know, being analytical and deliberate in your decision making and you're working for a company that's kind of fly by the seat of their pants, <laughs> going for it, you know, no real research, just going by gut feel 100% of the time, that could be very hard for you. Yeah. Um on the flip side, the opposite is true. If you're working for a company that's very deliberate in their decision-making process and you know they go slower than you'd like to and you're constantly having to curb your enthusiasm uh, at, in the workplace, that can be very difficult. You know, And then there's always the integrity piece, right? If you have integrity and honesty as one of your top values and you work for a company that's not so much honest or that maybe bends the rules now and again or treats people differently... Mm-hmm. You know, not everybody gets the same great deal. Maybe some people get a better deal than others. Sure. That can feel really bad. And so it's important to um, to understand as the company leaders what your values are. And then when you're interviewing, to be rigorous about finding out what the values of the people who you're considering bringing on the team are. Mm-hmm. And do those line up. Because that's really... Um, that really helps with getting the right people on the team. Then the second piece is getting the right people on the team and, and getting them into the right roles. So oftentimes we'll have somebody who's really good at the analytical work, the details, uh, the proofing, all that, um, being the spokesperson for the organization. They hate public speaking, but and they're just kind of white-knuckling it through <laughs> this, this kind of thing. Or we've got somebody who's like the super creative sales innovator who we're saying like, okay, you need to run all these reports and you need to do fact-checking and that's just a torture for them. And so when you're looking to get discretionary effort, if you're able to leverage people's strengths, their natural strengths, so and I'll use the, um, the definition from Gallup, you can find Gallup Strength Finders, um, but the Gallup organization kind of leads the research in in strength based leadership. They talk about a strength as a natural talent plus skill, you know, plus developed skill times the time invested. So you think about um, you have this natural talent, and then you develop skills around the natural talent, mm-hmm. and then over time you invest lots of time becoming good at it, and. So when you get people who are in the right role or who are doing the right things, you're actually able to get a much bigger output for less energy from those people. So you don't have to burn them out to get more effort. Uh, You just need to line them up with their strengths. Now, on the flip side of this, um, a lot of times the pushback I'll get from organizations when we share this idea is, well, you know, this job description doesn't have that or that's part of somebody else's job. And the rigorous work here, the disciplined thought and action here is you have to be willing to reorg some jobs. You have to be willing to look at how things are set up and say like, wow, we have all this talent here. We've got this person doing it. Who's not the greatest at it, admittedly. (laughs) And this person who's dying to do more of it. And if we could figure out you know, how to shift job duties around so that people could support each other, then you get that well-rounded team. Right, yeah. so you want a team that has different strengths, and then you need to apply the different job uh, job duties to the different strengths. So that's about getting the disciplined people, the right people on the team, and then in the right place. And once you're there, you really don't need to motivate people. Now, the other thing about great leadership from an individual perspective that I loved that Jim Collins wrote about in this book was the idea that um, 
of level five leadership. And I won't go through all of the details. You can read it in the book if you want to, or even look up, there's lots of infographics about it on Google. But um, this idea that when something goes wrong, the level five leader or the great leader looks in the mirror. And when something goes well, they look out the window. And I just, I love that metaphor because it's so easy to wrap, you know, wrap my head around, gosh, when, when things go wrong, am I looking out the window to see who I can blame for it? (laughs) Or am I looking in the mirror to see like, what could I do differently next time? Yeah. And same thing when things go well, am I looking in the mirror to congratulate myself about how brilliant my leadership was? Or am I looking out the window to say like, wow, look at my awesome team and what a great job they did. And so, um, so that was one pearl of wisdom that I pulled out of that book that I just thought that is fantastic. Like I will just continue to rem- to remind myself as things go well, to look out the window and see who can I thank for help on this. And when things go wrong, like what do I need to do differently next time? Yeah. Taking that responsibility. So that's about discipline people. Then you, um, then you look into discipline thought, which is kind of the second phase of this book. And, um, and I love, of course, you've heard me say it on the show before. Um, you have to get brutally, you have, you have to know exactly where you're going and then get brutally honest about, you know, every decision you make, getting you closer or further from it. So when I came across his chapter about confronting the brutal facts in business, <laughs> I just, of course, lit up like a Christmas tree. And it's so true. It is, uh, we have to be willing to confront the brutal facts. We have to be willing to listen louder to the feedback we're getting and to pay attention to the signals amongst the noise because great leaders, they will listen for the whisper of what's not right. Mm -hmm. And they will pay attention to the signs and it's really easy to ignore the signs if we don't want to hear them or see them. You know, it's, it's very easy to just say, oh, well, that's probably nothing, you know, but oftentimes our intuition, and I'm sure Jen, you've had this before where it's like something inside you tells you mm-hmm. like, mm, I probably need to pay attention to that. And I know I've done it. We've yeah. all done it where we kind of brush it off. Oh, well, yeah, maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe I'm giving it too much credence. But if you're, if you're getting an intuitional hit on something you need to be paying attention to, you're probably on target. You probably want to check that out a little closer. And great leaders are willing to stop and check out what's not going right or what, what kind of hiccups in the system are out there. And they're also willing to look and say, like, gosh, we've already invested a million dollars in this project, but I can see right now that it's not going to end well. And, you know, leaders who aren't so great will just continue pushing forward. Oh, we can make it. We, we can do it. We've already invested too much to stop now versus, you know, stopping and saving what you can. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, oh, no, we'll just we'll, something will go right. We'll, we'll be able to pull this off when in your heart, you know, it's over. Like every, and everybody else knows it too. And no one's saying it. So, um, so you have to be willing to confront the brutal facts and really listen. And then also, um, he talks about the hedgehog concept, but it's this idea of really knowing what you're good at and setting a clear vision for the future and getting everybody, you know, you got all these good people on your team and you've got them all, you know, they're all intrinsically motivated because they're doing what they love and what they're good at. And then you've got to give them the vision so that they can get pointed in the right direction. 
right? And so they can all put that intrinsic motivation towards the same goal. And, um, and part of that is being willing to know what you're good at and what you guys can be great at Mm -hmm. and what you can't be right. When you try to do everything, you often don't do anything very well. And so it's really this rigorous thought process, this disciplined thought of like, really, what are we the best at and what can we compete at, at a high level? And what do we need to leave to someone else to do? Yeah. And that's not easy. That's not easy. I mean, it's, you know, especially now with all the innovation and opportunity to do stuff. I mean, we fight that all the time. Ooh, wouldn't it be fun to do this? Wouldn't it be fun to do that? (laughs) And having to just be intentional about saying, sure, it would be, but we're probably get a bigger bang for our buck if we focus all of our efforts here on what we're really good at. Yeah. And so, uh, so that does take some rigorous thought and in this section, you know, my kind of take on it was, um, this idea that slow is smooth and smooth is fast. And this is um, yet another pearl I learned from my partner, Gretchen, but this idea that when we take the time to do things right up front, then we can be faster and more efficient down the road versus if we're a hot mess up front reacting to everything that comes down the pike, then it's very hard to create this disciplined you know, approach that keeps getting us better mm-hmm. or keeps moving us towards greatness. So, so it's important to be nimble right now. Um, but when you think about disciplined action, you also need to be calculated and you need to be careful to not get hijacked by the next big thing. Because it's very easy these days. It's like, oh, they've created an app. We should create an app. Oh, they have a open forum website. We should have an open forum website. <laughs> oh, they have a, you know, and it's like, it's really easy to kind of get into this compare and despair Yeah. as, as companies and leaderships of like, oh, they're doing that. We should do that. And you have to know what you're good at and, and be willing to take it slow and to, uh, to make some disciplined decisions mm-hmm. along the way and to know that it's okay to not become an overnight success that sometimes that slow and steady wins the race. That's right. And this is, I mean, that's hard for me on a daily basis because I'm more like just run off the cliff and check for the parachute after, you know, like let's go for it. And so I'm constantly having to remind myself, slow down, do it right. Save yourself time in the end. Yep. So if you're feeling that way too, I'm with you. <laughs> um, So you just, you know, watch for new things. We don't want to take our eye off the prize. We don't want to stop seeing what's going on out there and cling on to our old ways of doing things. So, you know, there is, there is benefit in novelty and new things that are in entering the market and you should be paying attention, but just be really rigorous about your thought as would taking advantage of this right now, get me closer or further from the vision that I've set for the team. And if it doesn't, then maybe it's time to wait or maybe you want to see what the competition does and then leverage what they've done Mm -hmm. and leapfrog over them. You know, that's a, that's a big startup thing that I learned working with some of the startups in the Bay is this idea that you don't always have to be first to market because often somebody's first to market and then you can say like, Ooh, that was good. And we can do this and make it even better. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was kind of an interesting concept. I would have never thought of it that way. So So in addition to all this good information from Mr. Collins and good to great, um, there's a couple things that I think are beneficial as well. And one is if you're looking to be a great leader, uh, 
great leaders are often made from great models and models modeling is key to leading a team whether the team is your work crew or your direct reports or your family right or a volunteer group that you're a part of if you want people to behave in a certain way it's very important to model that behavior as well yeah and it doesn't happen right away you know you can be we were my husband and i were kind of marveling this weekend our daughter made a couple comments that were really insightful and um and really she was showing a lot of gratitude and we were like gosh wow like it's finally paying off trying to be grateful and really model what gratitude looks like in action Mm -hmm. it gets you know taken years but now it's kind of ingrained yeah and it's so wonderful to be able to see it coming out and it's and it really does come from modeling not telling because you can tell somebody all day long (laughs) be grateful but it doesn't it's not the same it doesn't have the same power as if you model gratitude yeah and so it's the same thing in leadership. If you want people to ask hard questions, if you want people to push against um, your leadership and ask you hard questions and continue to challenge your thinking, then you've got to model for them what that looks like with your senior leadership. You've got to challenge your senior leadership, ask them hard questions so that people know that that's okay to do to you and make that okay. Um, if you want to um, get people to you know, be collaborative, you've got to show what collaborative looks like, Mm -hmm. right? So modeling is really important here. And if you, um, if you've got someone on your team who is behaving in a way that you don't like, or you don't appreciate a great thing to do is ask yourself. And this is that in the mirror question, ask yourself in what situations am I modeling this behavior? Because you may find that you are oftentimes when my kids do something, And, you know, the kids are the greatest example because they're there every day. So if you want to work on your leadership, start at home. But I'll watch them do something and think, like, that is so annoying. I don't like that behavior. And then I'll ask myself, like, where do I do that? Oh, and I can always find a place. (laughs) I can always see how I'm the one who... So going from good to great, it takes great leaders and it takes a, uh, a disciplined a discipline commitment to continuing to develop yourself over a lifetime. You become a CEO or a vice president. People who are great leaders continue to develop themselves over the course of a lifetime. And if you're not doing this, then I guarantee you like over time, things will start to slip. Mm -hmm. You want to keep developing yourself. This is not, you don't just learn how to be a great leader when you're 25 or 30 and then be, be that leader for the rest of your life, right? We continually need to develop ourselves. It's a lifelong journey. There's not a destination. It's not like, Ooh, I've made it. Um, so ask yourself, I'll, I'll leave you with this is ask yourself, what have you done to develop yourself this year? What have you done to develop yourself this year? And what do you need to do? We're halfway through the year. What do you need to do still? Think about that question. And if the answer is, I've done nothing, it's not too late. (laughs) Go grab a book, self-awareness. There's many things you can do in just a few minutes a day. It doesn't have to be a very long-term commitment. So think about what have you done to develop yourself this year and what do you still need to do? This has been The Bright Side with Alexis Robin and Jennifer Scanio from KTHO. If you would like to know more about us, you can find us at www. 
plinkcoachingcenter.com. That's P as in positivity and link as in L-I-N-K. And we will be, uh, we're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the positivity link. So you can check it out there. There's links to our app to download uh, and links to lots of good stuff on the website. So check us out, learn more and share your ideas with us online. I like that. It's never too late to change course. Never too late. Never too late. So <laughs> thank you for being here. And we will see you next week. Same time, same place. Sounds good. You've been listening to Alexis Robin with The Bright Side here on K Tahoe.